Hi, I'm Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Well, here we are, uh, in our new place. In our new place. It was a big change to get here. Yeah. We like it here. <laughs> we do like it here. It's been a good change. The transition part was... You know, like it always is. You yeah. move, you pick up all the things, you put them down again. You do that about a million times. And, <laughs> and then you're there. And then you're there, yeah. So yes, and are. then the unpacking part of that, which is when you pick everything up a million more times. Yeah, at least, well, maybe two million. Because you put something down and you're like, no, it doesn't really go there. And then you move it again. Yeah. Then you have to, and I still need to rearrange all of the books on the shelves because this, this is just nonsense. <laughs> what I have discovered in this process is that... Um, even though I thought I had gotten rid of a lot of things that we didn't need anymore. In fact, I could get rid of a lot more things that we don't need anymore. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, this, we're not just rambling. This is actually relevant to today's podcast topic. <laughs> yes. I really, um, because of the move, um, I am thinking a lot about change and how to make change because making change can be really challenging so i i want to spend some time talking about that and talking about how to be more successful when we're trying to make changes in our lives yeah but before we get to that uh we just want to remind you like always that we're not doctors uh we're herbalists and we're holistic health educators the ideas discussed on this podcast do not constitute medical advice No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States, so these discussions are for educational purposes only. Everybody's body is different, so the things that we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but we hope that they'll give you some information to think about and some ideas to research further. And we want to remind you that good health is your own personal responsibility, that the final decision when considering any course of therapy, whether it's discussed on the internet or prescribed by your physician, is always yours. Yes. Even if it's about making change in your life. <laughs> that's your choice. Yeah. Yeah, and that's you part know, of which the, sometimes we forget. That's Well, yeah, right. I have to do this thing. I have to change this thing. I have to do it differently. Yeah. Maybe you do. Maybe you want to. Maybe both. Yeah. You have to when you want to. <laughs> sometimes that happens. Well... When you're, whether you're a clinical herbalist who's working with people or just a person in the world who has friends that you talk to regularly, it's really critical that when we offer advice, especially from the perspective of herbalists, um, that, that we take some time to recognize that change is hard and there's actually nothing wrong with that. It doesn't have to be easy. It's hard. It just is. And... So, we... so I guess the counter, the other, the, <laughs> uh, the problem could be if you were looking at changes and saying, oh, I know this is so good for me, but why is it so hard? Those don't make sense next to each other. Yeah. Shouldn't it be easy to do if it's so good for you? No. No, not, not necessarily. Really. Yeah. Not necessarily. And there's a, a jillion complex, but also super logical reasons why that's true. But right now, what I really want to focus on is that we don't need to feel bad because we struggle to make change. And also, we don't need to act like the changes that we suggest to other people are easy, right? We can acknowledge at every point that change is hard. And when we do that, whether we are acknowledging that for our own selves in kindness and compassion for the changes that we're trying to make, or 
whether we do that um, in kindness and compassion to people to whom we are making recommendations of change, mm -hmm. um, either side of that, when we just simply acknowledge that change is universally difficult, we can then provide support to make changes successful. So, so yeah, so that's what I want to talk about. And the reason that I think this is so important is that it's completely at the heart of all holistic health strategies, basically. Um, in this system of health, which is not necessarily the only system of health, and it's not the only thing you're ever going to, to do in your life to stay healthy, but when we have holistic goals changes an inherent part of those. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're trying to improve your digestion, then there are going to be some changes. That, like, there's not, the way that we work, there's not a pill that will fix it all for you, is what I'm trying to say. Like, there yeah. are herbs that will improve the situation. There's this, there's that, there's the other thing, but there are also the changes that you make to the habits that you have and the way that you live that are requisite in, in the ultimate end goal that you're trying to achieve and because those changes are always part of how we work holistically, then that means that we need to spend some time thinking about change and how to make it successfully. Yeah. I'm over here sort of thinking and then catching myself and then thinking on top of that. And, you know, sometimes changes seem small and easy. Like, uh, here's a, a tea blend and you're going to drink this every day. Mm -hmm. And then other changes might seem big and large and complicated like, um, we're going to completely overhaul your diet and you're going to do a whole 30 or you're going to do this or that. Uh, but the thing is that I've had people react to each of those in the completely opposite way. Right. And feel like one of them was really easy and the other was really hard. And sometimes we get surprised by which one turns out to be which. You know, it is funny because there are people who are very happy to do a whole 30 and say, yes, I will change every single thing about the way that I eat but I just can't manage to make a pot of tea every day. Like, I can't do it. I can't make that happen. And so if you're out there thinking that certain changes are the easy ones and other changes are the hard ones, it turns out that that's really personal. Like, literally for some people, um, they genuinely don't have any trouble giving up sugar. It's a small number of people, that, <laughs> but, there are, but there are definitely people that I've met who... Um, who don't really care much about sugar or even don't care much about food at all. Like they kind of have a fuel relationship with food, which I think is something that we, like there's a cultural aspect about food as fuel. It's sort of like a myth. But the I think the reality for many more people is that there's a huge emotional component to food, but there's also a, a social component to food and a socialization component to food and, and, and that, that our food choices are layered and complicated. And so although for some people, those kinds of changes are super easy, for most people, changing the way that you eat, there's a lot going on there. Um, and so it, and all of the factors that are going on there contribute to making that change hard. Um, but the bottom line here, like for somebody else, for example, it might be really easy to exercise because maybe they just grew up playing sports every season, playing sports at school, 
in a really sporty family. And so that's kind of a baseline that might even be comforting for them to return to if they've come from a sedentary environment. Whereas the way I grew up, and I know other people who have grown up this way too, uh, my family valued the sorts of activities that were sedentary, like reading, and and like explicitly devalued sport. So for some people, making more time for sport is very fulfilling for them. But then for other people, maybe who grew up like me, making more time for sport is like, there's a lot of guilt and shame wrapped up into taking that time because you were raised believing that it wasn't good to do that. So, so there's just so many layers of what makes things difficult and difficult for some people, but easy for other people. So, um, so what that means is that just because it's easy for one person doesn't mean that it should be easy for you or that you're bad if it's not easy for you, right? It's just that it's just different for every person. And that the, like the next thing you need to think about there is first off, like if it's challenging for you, you don't need to feel bad about it. But secondly, if you work with people, then you need to really think a lot about the things that are easy for you. Because if you work with people and you find one thing particularly easy, you you have to really examine yourself there because your natural inclination is to expect that it will be easy for all people because it's easy for you. That That's like the subconscious thing, right? If it's easy for you, it just feels logical that that must be an easy thing. And, and so we have to like check ourselves about those expectations. Yeah, and in both directions too. Like if something is difficult for you, you may be inclined to present it a little hesitantly and a little like, well, I think this might help you, but boy, is it tough. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you'll be able to do it because it's really hard, but let me tell... Okay, here's the thing. And it, they may not react that way if you hadn't hyped them up about it. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, oh boy, this is going to be pretty terrible. What's coming next? Uh, and, you know, you can, you can like, jog somebody out of their own space of, of that, you know? And if you just present it like, okay, here's this thing. I think this could probably really make a big difference. Here's some reasons why. What do you think about it? Then people have a little more of their own space to decide if they feel like that is hard or it is easy or or hard but else. worth it, right? Yeah. yeah, and so you try not to, you know, you try not to preload that too much um, because they can always surprise you. Yeah, I think also this can go in the opposite direction, right? So like if somebody sees you not struggling with something um, that they may find challenging, then they are likely to think that they're bad because it's a struggle for them. So if, especially if you are a person who is a practicing herbalist, which means that you are a person that people are watching, um, for not just watching, like not just asking your opinion, but they're also watching what you model, the behaviors that you model, um, that sometimes you also have to notice that, um, other people have certain expectations as they watch the behavior that you're modeling. And that's when I started like realizing that is, is why I made the decision to, to start talking so freely about how much I love cake. Um, 
because... Or how much I don't want to go to bed on time. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because one of the most common things that I used to hear was like, well, the whole gluten-free thing is easy for you, but I could never do it. And they would say that because they saw me succeeding with it and never, ever cheating. And so they implied from that that it was never challenging for me not to cheat. But actually what was going on is that um, in my body, the consequences for cheating are enormous. And it is it is big enough that I am absolutely unwilling to do it. That doesn't mean that I don't wish that I could. Um, because let me tell you, I would be at Dunkin' Donuts every single morning if I could get away with it. Uh, but I can't. And that's a good thing because if I could get away with it without huge consequences, then I would still be having other consequences, <laughs> you know? And so anyway, my well, point... Neither does it mean that it was always easy for you. Right. Yes. That your first day gluten-free was as... as uh, there were tears. As gentle and comfortable as this day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so what I discovered is that the more open that I am about my struggles with um, sort of comfort foods that frequently have gluten in them, um, and for me that is sugar is also a big component of that, um, the more open I am about my love of cake and my love of gluten-free French toast, um, and the more open that I am about my harm reduction strategies for foods that give me comfort, which is to say the things that I struggle with and the ways that I find to be successful with those struggles, the more that people start to understand that this is not a willpower problem. It is a creativity challenge. Like when we're talking about changes, there's basically, like I honestly believe that there's nobody out there who can't make the change that they want to make. It is just a matter of finding the creative solution that is going to allow you to be successful in making that change. And for me, sometimes that is a really good box of gluten-free brownie mix. Like whatever, whatever gets you to your goal, um, you know, it could be as simple as that. It could be as simple as um, a supportive tea blend that helps you uh, not feel your cravings so hard. Mm-hmm. It, there's so many. Well, and I guess that's the next step is to, to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so sort of, I think the first thing maybe that we think about when we think about successfully making change is accountability. Um, and accountability is really, really helpful, like getting a buddy to make the change with you so that you have that support and accountability or being really public about the change that you're trying to make so that you have accountability. And I feel like that is that is often the first thing that many people think about is I'm trying to make a change. I need to get accountability. And I think that that's really interesting because um, it's kind of punitive in nature. Like if you think about it, it's like I need someone to keep me in line and smack my knuckles when I cheat and Yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah. Like, uh I don't think this is a great comparison, but it came to mind. Okay, here we go. So there's a Stephen King short story uh, <laughs> called Quitters Incorporated uh and it's about somebody who like is in an airport and runs into an old friend and he he's like, wow, you look great. You've lost weight. You're you're like glowing. What's what's the deal? He's like, oh, I finally quit smoking, and uh, and I it was with the help of this 
this special organization. So here's their card. Give them a call. And, you know, he goes and, and meets them. And they're like, all right, we're going we're gonna to help you out here. You're going to quit smoking. Um, and uh, just go ahead and head out there. And you should really stop. And if you don't, you'll find out why. And then he does. And then there are consequences. And they're horrifying. And they're horrifying. Because it's Stephen King. Stephen King. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Um, yeah. So... Uh, we'll just leave that one there. But if you've read the Wait. story, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> like, the idea here is uh, people only do the hard thing when they get really forced into it. You're, like, up against the wall and there's consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that accountability buddies are great. I think that um, recognizing that as humans we we often do better when we have built some kind of accountability into our plan is great, but I just want to acknowledge that even if it isn't as far as Stephen King, like, <laughs> like that is coming from a, a place of like disciplinarian kind of thinking, and so I want to think about other ways that change can be successful. And um, yeah, I mean that can get the job done sometimes. Yeah, but... no, and sometimes you do what you got to do. Yeah, but uh, one thing for me, especially um, especially when I'm thinking about things like food is um if you're oh, god no wait dude you say that okay if you're trying to give up something that you love before you try to give it up find all of the substitutes for that thing and really choose your favorites so if you're if you are if you have italian heritage and you come from a family where you can't live without pasta because like i've met so many um italian american people who are like i can't i could never go gluten-free because i can't give up pasta well then don't even try to go gluten-free until you've tried every gluten-free pasta on the market and found the one that tastes really good to you and once you have done that, then go gluten-free. Because yeah. you've you've met the need of, like, the thing that was standing in your way. Right. And this is something you and your accountability buddy can get into beforehand. The best kind of accountability buddy is the one that's doing the same change along with you. Yeah. Not just like, hey, I need you to check in with me every couple of days and ask me if I... If I what if I if I had a soda if I, if I if I did my workout today or whatever but if but if they're doing it together with you then you can go through the stages together you can start out by finding your substitutes and testing them before you you know commit full time um, you're also there more likely to be gentle to each other when you do you know and compassionate have trouble or slip up or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, it can thing. be more like a collaboration partner instead of an accountability partner. Yeah, you can do both. Yeah, I like that. Um, so, so yeah, especially when we're talking about food, um, I find that finding the substitutes before you remove things does make it a lot easier. But sometimes... Um, you know, the, those kinds of strategies are great, but sometimes change itself can be the catalyst for change. And I think that that is really the category of things that I want to focus on today, since we have just had a giant change that is catalyzing other changes. Yeah. Um, it's really what's on my mind. This is one, like one way this is like, is, uh, you know, a pebble you throw the pebble down the hill and then that knocks some rock loose and that <laughs> yes. bounces into a boulder and, you know, it kind of builds on itself. Yeah. We can all be avalanches together. 
Um, I love that right now. Can I, can I have that as a t-shirt? Let's be avalanches together. I I just need to stop for a minute and bask in the glow of what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I mean, it's a it's because change is, is you've already initiated some inertia. Right. You know? And uh, maybe the, the big change you have in mind is going to involve lots and lots of momentum being built up and developed, but you don't necessarily have to do all of that at once. Right. Or in other words, change is a really active state, right? If you're at rest, then physics says you are most likely to stay there. And if you're in motion, physics says you're most likely to stay there. If you go for a walk, you're more likely to climb a tree. Right. Then if you sit on your couch. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with anybody sitting on a couch. It's just You're really allowed. hard to reach the trees from it's the couch. Stupid. You know, they're way over there. Yeah, they're way over yeah. there. So um, so I really, really that idea of using any change to initiate changes that you're specifically trying to make or even that you're struggling with um, is is really an excellent way to start that start that avalanche. I I, I I just want to be done now because I just need to go spend the whole rest of the day thinking about avalanche. Because the, the corollary to bodies at rest tend to stay at rest is bodies in motion tend to stay in motion. Right. 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 Yeah. So let's get it going. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Right. Um, there's another factor here, and that is that culturally, um, we have this idea that we are kind of like we we especially in this country have been socialized with this idea that we're always sort of moving up the ladder, or at least we're supposed to be. And that making changes can represent some kind of failure or some kind of backwards movement. Or that making changes implies that we were previously wrong, which also in our culture is something to be avoided at all costs. Yeah, as if that was like the end of the story and like, oh, right. you were wrong once? Oh, forget that. <laughs> right? Right? Or that... Not if, listening to you anymore. <laughs> or that if we make a change, then we aren't who people thought we were. Or maybe we're not who we thought we were, like that our identity is wrapped up in the thing that we're struggling to change. Basically, what I'm saying is that it's not just the inertia of it's hard to climb a tree when you're sitting on a couch, but it is also all the emotion and the identity and the cultural socialization that's wrapped up in our desire to actually not change. Because that's the direction that society is pointing us in. Actually, it would be better if you didn't change. And that's something like when you think about, well, even when you think about making a dietary change, right? Um, you may be very fortunate in your friends and in your family and in your community. But I have so many clients with stories of like, um, this woman went was trying to be gluten-free and dairy-free because she was experimenting to see if it was going to help with her migraines that were really awful. And her husband took a piece of pizza and flopped it in her face and said, ha ha, you can't eat this. Like, how cruel. And so hopefully that doesn't ever happen to you. But the reality is that that's actually our culture. Our culture is, wait a minute, what are you doing? Why are you bucking the system? Why are you changing? And so I want to acknowledge that as well as just the personal inertia, the actual physics behind bodies in motion and at rest. Mm. So um, so this brings me to a conversation we were having yesterday, actually, um, or the day before. Anyway, recently, 
um, about just recognizing and, and really allowing yourself to recognize as often as possible that you are allowed to change. And in fact, you are allowed to be radically different than what you are right now. You're allowed to be radically different than what you were last year. You're allowed to think about things that are radically different than anything you've ever done. And the example I'm going to use is that a couple of days ago, Rin was talking about wanting to go hang gliding. Yeah, it's been on my mind lately. I don't know it why. It really has it's been just, on your mind lately. It's, it's like it would be fun. I don't, I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> and we were at dinner with a friend, and he's already done this to me. He's like, should we go hang gliding? Do you want to go hang gliding? Have you ever been hang gliding? What do you think about hang gliding? So we went to dinner with a friend, and he was like, what do you think about hang gliding? Have you ever been hang gliding? And I'm like, okay, here we go. And I was very surprised that the friend had actually been skydiving. I had I had not known that about her. Yeah. Um, but anyway, as the whole conversation unfolded, at one point it just sort of hit me in the head. And so I said it out loud because that is kind of how I function, like thought in and then like immediately out of mouth. <laughs> but I was like, you know, it is so awesome that if you really wanted to, we could sell everything and we could move to a place where you could hang glide every day and get really good at it and be the kind of person who owns their own hang glider and has all the equipment and whatever because you were just that good. You could become a teacher of hang gliding if you wanted to. <laughs> and we could we could do that. We could do it today. And it might it might take a minute. It will okay, it would take a minute. There we would be start. there would be some things yeah. like where does one even go hang gliding right. and how right. do you get there? Where do we go for this? Yeah, like I don't know any of those things. But but conceptually it was really amazing to just recognize that if that was something that seemed so important that we should uproot everything and do it, we can. We actually can. Not just from a like, oh, it's fine because we have enough money to do that. No, I, I'm pretty sure we don't. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like, we have the... the we can. We can figure out what the steps are and then we can say, okay, how much do we need to save up and where would we need to go and how do you even learn to do that thing? Like we could figure out all those steps and then we could just start moving in that direction if we want to. And um, I'm pretty excited that he did not say, great, let's start tomorrow because I don't actually really want to do that. Yeah, no. But, but... Next year. But the... <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is the that... The Commonwealth Center for Holistic Hang Gliding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we could scout out the plants from whatever many like feet. Way above, yeah. yeah. It's a whole new way to identify trees. <laughs> <laughs> so, the th- <laughs> so the thing about this is not that I want you to be like, let's go hang gliding. But that I think it's important to, as often as possible, really allow yourself a few minutes of indulging the imagination of what you could do, even if it would be super hard, and even if there's lots of barriers between here and there, what you could do. Yeah, it's super easy to get into this place of, like, all of the things that I do and have and am and, and eat and whatever, like, those are, those are, that's what it has to be. That's what I, that's how, that's, that's who, who I, I am. am. That's what I do. Yeah. That's the end of it. Yeah. And to get stuck there. People say, like, um, I'm really on about the the phrase, I have to. We use it, we overuse it in our language and in our culture. So it'll be like, I have to go to the store on the way home from work. I have to 
do this. I have to do that. And I always like to think, like, do you really have to? Like, you you don't actually have to. You may need to. You may want to. You may be out of toilet paper. But um, you could just not use toilet paper today. Like, it would be un- unpleasant, but that would be fine. And there are so, ways. Right? And so I, I like to think about, like, well, and I guess this is just because I lived in Russian university. Like, if I were in Siberian prison camp, would I still have to do that? Like... I would, in fact, not have to stop and buy toothpaste because I that would not be an option that I even could do. So kind of kind of I mean, that's sort of a ridiculous thing. But, um, well, I have to have dessert every night before I go to bed because I just don't feel fulfilled without it. Well, if you were in Siberian prison camp, you would not get dessert before you went to bed at night. So maybe you can not do maybe you don't have to. And. And I like to use that as an exercise to remind myself that the things that I am reinforcing on a daily basis, because I use that form of speech, actually, I try not to, but sometimes it happens, that I don't, in fact, necessarily have to do all the things that I think I have to do. I have to pay my taxes because otherwise, you know, that's not legal. (laughs) (laughs) There's some things I do have to do, but it is a much smaller number of things than I think. And I like to do that exercise on the flip side as well. Like, oh, well, I could never. Okay, well, could you never? Like, what do you mean you couldn't never? Like, you couldn't ever. Like, is there really no way that you could do that? And then to do that exercise and think about, well, could I? Like, maybe there is a way that I could. Yeah. Uh, when I used to be a software engineer a million years ago, uh, and I was leaving that that career to become a full time herbalist, um, I I had given them like more notice than you normally give when you leave a job, um, and it was like everybody in the company found time before I left to like pull me aside in the cafeteria or in the break room or in the like this or that or whatever to to say uh I think what you're doing is so amazing and I always wanted to be a math teacher and I would be like what why aren't you a math teacher you're an engineer you're really good at math like go be a math teacher what's stopping you or I think what you're doing is really great and I always wanted to sail around the world and I'm like well, then why aren't you sailing around the world? Just sell everything and sail around the world. Like, you're a software engineer and... There are sailboats. There, yeah, like, I, I mean, not everybody can just sell everything and sail around the world, but this person could. Like, they, they had the privilege to, in fact, do that. And I was like, well, then do it. Like, why aren't you doing it? What is literally stopping you from doing it? And I like to ask my clients that, too. You know, like when we... To, you, you, to take the question seriously. Okay, wait. Not just like, well, what's stopping you? Ha ha, okay. We yeah, no, like thing. literally but what like, is? What, what are the impediments? What are the blocks? And, you know, sometimes when you, if you stop a moment and poke at something, you realize, oh, this was made of paper mache the whole time. What? <laughs> yeah, like, like, well, I can't do that because I have a mortgage to pay. Well, okay. Do you really want that house? Could you sell it? Could you sell it and buy a boat instead? And maybe that answer is no. Maybe there are reasons why that isn't possible. But that doesn't mean that you can't think through and and question whether it might be possible and you just think it isn't because 
you think it isn't, you know? Well, because I have a car payment. Well, do you actually need a car? Maybe you do, but it's worth asking the question. Can you imagine what life would be like without a car? Maybe when you when you go through that exercise, you discover, hey, I actually could be without a car or I could sell this expensive car with the big payments and I could get a cheap car that just gets me where I need to go. Like, I don't know. There's a million things and it's going to be super different for every person. But if you really sit down and think literally, what are the things that are stopping you? And then you just go through the exercise of, um, well, could I not do that? Could I change that? Um, it really, it's just the exercise of examining further the things that we think are preventing us from doing what we want to do or from doing what would allow us to live a healthier life or whatever, Mm. just to, just to think about it. And in the end, there may be reasons. There may be like, no, I can't sell this house because I'm caring for my elderly parent and they need to live here too. And they, this and that or whatever. And like, okay, that's fine. But that's the like most extreme thing. So what's the next less, the next less extreme thing from that? And can we change that? And right, it's yeah, an exercise. Yeah. As you go through that, you might you might find those realizations of like, okay, so maybe that that grand plan is off the table right now, but in the future it's going to be more accessible. Or this other piece of it, you know, I could I could do that. It doesn't have to. Yeah, be the, the smaller the, part the, of the, it. The complete upheaval is not the only way that it can go down. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, so you you are allowed to change. It may be more possible than it seems at first glance. Um, really looking at it carefully is going to be necessary to tell. Okay. And then once you figure out what changes you could make, like that's still going to be a challenge. And maybe maybe the changes you're trying to make don't involve moving across country or moving uh, like selling your house and buying a sailboat or whatever like you know those are those are kind of ridiculous they're they're not ridiculous at all but they're not um like on the scale of it they're so much different than what i'm kind of getting at in everyday changes in life um and i'm thinking more about maybe you're trying to change how how you eat right and that's hard because you have a routine and you go to the grocery store and you always go to the same grocery store because that's the one that's on the way home from work. And you buy the same stuff every time because you're kind of on autopilot. And you always go through the store in the same direction and you get the same things. And by the way, everyone does this. It's not just you. So if you're saying, okay, well, how do I change what I eat? There are lots of factors that could be blocking you. But one thing, one place where you can use change to start to build momentum for change is to change your grocery store. Like, go to a different grocery store. and Or if your town only has one grocery store, then just go through the grocery store in the completely different order than you would normally go. And in fact, go through the grocery store in a different order every single time you go in. Like, always start in a different aisle, mm-hmm. just randomly. And... Because you are you are in an aisle that you don't expect to be in, you are completing the task out of order. It kind of like shakes you out of your autopilot routine and causes you to start thinking about, wait, hold on, I didn't expect to be in the pasta aisle quite so fast. And now I need to think about what what do I get? Like, oh, I'm walking down the pasta aisle backwards. So the things that are normally on the right are now on the left 
which means I have to look for what I'm looking for, which reminds me that I wanted to try the gluten-free pasta instead of the same old pasta that I always buy, whatever. It's simple. It's, it's small, but... It's a change in perspective. Is it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <coughs> and it's a change that can help you to keep those other changes that you're trying to make right at the front of your mind, right? Um, here's another one with regard to food. Uh, one of our students right now is ramping up her plans to try a gluten-free diet, and she's about to move to a different part of town. And so we were talking about that, and we were like, boy, wouldn't that be the perfect time to really launch going gluten-free? Like, you've been preparing for a while. Uh, you've been finding the kind of pasta that's gluten-free and that you like, and you've been doing this and doing that. The move would be the perfect time to do it. And you might be thinking, oh, no, that would be the least convenient time because moving is so hard and you just want to get a pizza because they're so busy. But here's the thing, right? When you move and you've moved to a new place that you it, your favorite cafe isn't there and your favorite pizza delivery guy isn't there and all the places that you would normally get takeout, they're not there and you don't know the new places yet, that's a great time to go ahead and make a change because if you are suddenly in a new place and you don't even know if there's any takeout available, what are you going to do? Well, I guess I should just cook something then. <laughs> like there isn't any other option. Um, so, so not having her very favorite cafe or her very favorite pizza place right there on the way home from work, just like taunting her into that pizza it's like having a totally clean slate. So she's able to say, well, I don't know where anything is yet anyway. And I don't know, even if I was to pass one, I don't know if it's any good. So this is the perfect time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe you're trying to change how you sleep, right? Because um, not everything's about food. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you want to change how you sleep. You may, you want to get more sleep. You want to get more restful sleep. You want to start having your sleep hygiene routines in the hour before bed, all that good stuff. Um, and maybe you've tried a couple times and it, it, uh, it, it didn't happen. Okay. <laughs> so what else can we do that's relevant to sleep that might start to build some momentum there? Maybe we can change up the bed a little bit. Maybe we can get some new sheets on there. Maybe we can get a new pillow. And now it's like, oh, this is really comfy. Love my new pillow. I really want to lie down in there. That's going to be pretty great. Um, You know, if you can, like, conjure for yourself the feeling you have in the morning every day of being like, oh, it's so nice in here. Yeah, I never want to get up. I think think I'll just hit snooze again. You know, why not? Uh, Yeah, any way to, like remind yourself and entice yourself a little bit in the nighttime yeah maybe that could help yeah Yeah. what if you sleep on the other side of the bed what if you move the bed across the room what if you get rid of the bed entirely and sleep on a pile of blankets and sheepies i think that's a great idea it it turns out it's pretty great 10 out of 10 Um, would recommend i'm into it (laughs) what if you um what if you change up some part of your evening routine and have it be as simple as changing the lights that you use in the house after a certain time. Yeah. Yeah. So little things, but the idea is that the small, simple things that don't require a deep reservoir of willpower, uh, they help to build the momentum yeah. toward the one that, that feels harder at first glance. Yeah. For me right now, uh, I've been 
I, and I and this is wrapped up in our whole move too. Like I've been struggling with that thing they call work life balance for a really long time. Um, partially because I love what we do. I I literally love making classes for people to learn herbalism. I love having ideas about like, ooh, I bet they would love this video. And I I don't necessarily maybe love every single part of the process. Like fighting with the computer is sometimes a pain in the butt. But but I love. I love what we do and I'm super motivated to do it. And I grew up in a house that values productivity and devalues leisure time, um, which means that that is my sort of programming as I moved out into the world. And that's something to really think about. Um, And so I also like, I also recognize that even though I love my work, Uh, My body needs to move more than I make time for it to move. And frankly, I need to make more time for music and art than I do in my life. And all these things are really important. And they're things I've been like really struggling with for a long time. And so in thinking about moving, we really thought a lot about how we could Um, use this move intentionally to help us to restructure a bunch of stuff in our lives. And that was a big part of the decision to move at all, was to intentionally restructure things um, on many levels to help us with things that we've been struggling with. So, um, So now, for example, a simple thing is that We, um, in our office space inside our house, in our apartment, we have a space where we can film. Well, it's almost ready. It's not quite unpacked yet, but it's almost there. Where we can film so that we don't have to get on the train and commute for 45 minutes to get to the place where we film our online classes and then at at our school. And then commute back 45 minutes, except it's rush hour and the train is slow and now it's an hour and 15 and whatever. And... So now that I don't have to spend that time that way, I can say, okay, now that time, instead of just standing on the train and going back and forth, that time is for moving my body. And that time was already baked into my schedule. So now I've freed that time up to be able to use it in a different way. Um, and so, so using the changes that we wanted to make to fuel moving and using the move to fuel the changes that we wanted to make, like letting that be super um, reciprocal, uh, is really helping uh, to to allow us to like kind of get to that, get past some blocks that we had. And I want to be really clear that just because we're herbalists and we're making a podcast does not mean that we don't have blocks in our own health goals as well. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh, wouldn't that be nice? We definitely do. But every single day, except one when it was really pouring, since we moved, I have been outside moving my body. And I'm pretty excited about that. Elsie's excited about it, too. Yeah, she likes it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a cemetery across the street from where we live, and it's awesome to go walking in. And, um, yeah, it's really great. I feel really happy. Well, okay. Um, 
So, you know, there are some herbs that can actually help around this kind of transition. Yeah. And, you know, since we're an herbalist, uh, herbalism school, we <laughs> always want to connect some things back to the plants. Um, you know, we often have these these episodes that are about a way of thinking or about a, about a strategy of, of approach or something like that. And um, I wonder occasionally, like, is somebody out there being like, what happened? I thought this was an herbalism podcast. <laughs> so if you're brand new and you made it this far, good job. <laughs> yeah. And don't worry, it is an herbalism podcast. Yeah. Um, and the first herbs I want to bring right up are Hawthorne and Linden. Because, you know, when you make changes, that's exciting, and they're changes that you want to make, but also there may be a, an aspect of grief to that. Like, for example, maybe you have successfully gotten rid of dairy in your life, and that's really helping you to feel better in your guts, and you're not so constipated anymore, and whatever. But maybe you really mourn cheese. That's okay. Like, it's all right to be sad about how much you loved cheese and that you're not having it anymore. And, and or maybe you're making a big change. Maybe you gave up smoking and your social circle does not support that you're not a smoker anymore. Or you gave up, um, you know, everybody goes out and, and goes drinking after work and finally you were like, you know, that's not serving me to to do that and so you stopped but now like your friend circle is gone and that's fine you're gonna I mean that's it's not really fine but it's fine you're gonna get new friends and that's all fine but but it's okay to mourn a little bit the things that you lose when you make a change and it's okay like it's not going to jeopardize your change it isn't going to say like just because you say boy I'm really sad about cheese. Boy, I really miss cheese. That doesn't mean that you're immediately going to fall off the wagon. You're allowed to miss cheese. And Hawthorne and Linden help with that kind of grief feeling. They help with that with that sadness of the way things used to be. Even if you're excited about the changes you're making and even if you are seeing tons of success. You are allowed to feel a little bit of sadness, too. Yeah. Yeah, so herbs like, you know, Hawthorne, Linden, they help to soften, relax, protect the heart, um, make it feel like you have a little more space to experience those feelings and to move through them with a little more ease. Yeah, so that can yeah. be really important. Because, um, like you say, there is that element of, of grief or, you know, acceptance that mm-hmm. you that you need to, to work your way through um, <clears throat> when you're making a change like that. Uh, I would say that this is also a place for plants like Tulsi and Schizandra because oh, yeah. change change and the and the resistance that we feel to it um, that has elements of craving to it. Right? Yeah, especially when you're like ah this thing I <laughs> enjoy it. It's a vice. It's a guilty pleasure. It's a this or that. I know it's not good for me, and I really... It's okay. It's time to stop. <laughs> you know, or cut down to whatever whatever the yeah, appropriate like, thing in is. In kind but... of a judgment-free way, like, have a glass of wine. I'm not saying that's bad. Yeah. But, like, if maybe you've gotten to a place where work is really crappy and you deal with it by coming home and having a whole bottle of wine... And you do that every night, and then you make the decision that actually that doesn't feel good in your body, and you want to change. Yeah, that like 
anyway, we're not saying that all vices need to be thrown right out the window. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, this resistance we feel to change, it has these elements of craving to it. Uh, and there, there's an herb for that. <laughs> there's a couple, actually. So, you know, Tulsi is probably the more general of these. Um, Tulsi is an herb that we think of uh, almost whenever there are cravings um, that, are, that are making it hard to, to change or to, to step away from something that's, that's not so good for you. Um, we find Tulsi to be helpful when there's uh, cravings for sugar, uh, especially, but mm. you know we've had people who have been trying to cut down on cannabis use or cut down on um, on nicotine or, or alcohol or whatever else it is. Um, TV, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Tulsi can be very helpful. Um, it's a very gentle herb. It's a very safe herb um, in almost all cases. So you know, it's one that we turn to really, really frequently for this kind of support. Mm. Um, Schizandra is one that we we have most frequently associated with sugar cravings, um, and it's it's really well suited to that. It has some specific effects in the body to improve sugar regulation and sugar utilization, um, so that there's less of like a physiological drive to to give you that craving. But I think Schizandra can help in a more general sense too, because we know that it is a liver supportive herb. It's a hepatoprotective. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna really kind of cool uh, irritation and, and heat and fire that's happening in the liver itself. Um, and when that's present, there can be frustration. There can be a kind of tight, trapped sort of uh, sort of an anger or a heat. Um, and cooling that off, getting some space there, um, that can actually help you to take a deeper breath, physically mm. and, and metaphorically too. Um, so yeah, so I think Schizandra is one to, to consider if you're struggling with a change that you know is good for you, that you know is necessary, um, but there's that, that voice in there that's like, but I really want it. I want it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, that makes me think of both, both elderflower and also lobelia. Mm. Um, in terms of a lot of times when you are trying to let go of something, uh, the response is to hold on to it tighter. You know, like sometimes, like even just if you think about your own wardrobe and you're like, oh, I never wear this shirt. I should give it away. And then, and then what's the very next thought that pops into your mind? Wait, but I might wear it. Right? Like, the yeah. very next thought is, no, wait, maybe I should keep it in case I'm painting and I need, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. But we do this. And it's like, it's like as soon as you decide to let go, there is that little reaction that comes next that is like, no, wait, let me grab back on. Mm -hmm. And so um, Lobelia is really an amazing relaxant herb. Um and it's an herb that we work with in very low doses because at higher doses, it can cause vomiting, which can sometimes be something that you want to have happen, but that's not what we're going for in this case. In this case, what we're looking for is just that relaxing action. And <coughs> it is relaxing enough that it can be extremely helpful for an asthma attack, for anaphylaxis, um, for for even like 
I'm nervous and suddenly my throat feels like it's closing up, even if there's no allergenic reaction going on. Um, that kind of like sudden tensing, at, even at that really foundational level just of the breath. And that's one of the reasons why I really think about it in this way, because when you are just considering making change, even when it's abstract, and then that response comes of like, no, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. Right? Like just allowing that to relax a little bit. And it really, it's just a couple of drops of lobelia tincture. And the nice thing is it's tincture. You can just carry it with you anywhere. Um, so that can be really helpful. And I find elderflower can also work in a similar way, much more gently, um, n- not nearly as, uh, not nearly as like immediate physiological response mm-hmm. Um But... Especially when that res- when that tension that you're feeling is emotional, um, elderflower can just go ahead and let you stay open and let you allow things to pass out of you, like like a fever. You know, like physiologically, that's a thing that elderflower is helping with is to allow the fever to sweat out of you, allow the pores to stay open so that the heat can be released. And emotionally, it it functions very similarly to just help you stay open and allow things to release. Um, So those are two that are really on my mind there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, a lot of times when you make when you make a change, uh, you know, you can get some some pushback or you can just be afraid that you're going to get it, that people might look at you. funny, yeah, that that they might, uh, you know, make fun of you for. Yeah. Yeah. For, For whatever it is, you know. And so um, sometimes you do need to to establish some boundaries around that kind of thing. Like, um, to it's best if you can you know become comfortable saying, "Look, this is what I'm doing for myself right now. I don't. Uh, I'm not looking for critique <laughs> at this particular moment. You know, um, however, however you you get it across. But to be able to to feel confident and say, "This is this is something I'm doing. I'm I'm sticking to it." So that's about boundaries and about um, establishing them and not holding on to them so tightly that they trap you, mm. uh, you know, or prevent other people from being able to reach you, um, but being uh, appropriately firm with them. And yeah. so there's an herb that really helps a lot with all of those things, and that's motherwort. Yeah. Yeah. Such a lovely, amazing friend. Um, just giving you that feeling of, Confidence to say no when you need to say no. Um, Confidence to stand in your integrity, stand in the choices that you've made. Um, And, and, you know, when you've made a choice, but you're nervous about implementing it and you're nervous about getting pushback and you feel that nervousness as like maybe... Maybe palpitations or maybe like something a little less than palpitations, but it's still uncomfortable in that like heart space. And motherwort is really supportive for that, really to just calm that right down and and taking those physiological responses to our emotional state out of the picture makes it so much easier to stay in a positive emotional state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mother word is really nice. <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah. 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 I was thinking also about Ella campaign. And here I 
um, thinking specifically of the tincture. Um, although, I, although to be honest, I put I like to put a little elecampane in my not coffee in the morning. Actually, for this very reason, um, but it is a really strong flavor, and um, some people don't love it. And and to get the the effect I want to talk about. Uh, some of the tincture is just totally fine and like just a half a squirt of tincture but again this is about working emotionally with a plant that you maybe have only considered physiologically in the past and ally campaign can be really helpful when you are are really working to sort of breathe life into the changes that you're trying to create in yourself and if you think about that it really is all about the breath like all about the becoming all about the like keeping that breath steady staying focused on it i'm sort of thinking about meditation here but but that is so true in in so many ways that if you are trying to make a change even if you can fully see the change you want to make you're like i know where i'm going sometimes just taking that step into being that change like literally breathing life into that change can just be really hard you've got everything set up you're all ready to go and now the only thing left to do is to make it real and um this is a place where ella campaign really really helps Mm. really helps yeah so, you know, just a few examples there of some herbs that, that we found and, and the particular ways in which they they can make these kind of shifts or transitions easier. Um, you know, I would say that there's a, a general case here, too, which is that the herbs themselves can be the first, you know, pebble on that mountain. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so very frequently we have people who come in and, uh, you know, we'd, we'd like to give them a 30-point plan to completely <laughs> overhaul everything, uh, but we know that that wouldn't be realistic to start with. And so frequently, um, the herbs that go into a person's formula, uh, one or more of them is going to be to make the transition easier, to mm. make the, the you know steps two through 300 <laughs> <laughs> of our plan uh, be a little more approachable. <clears throat> um and so, you know, the one of the big ideas for this podcast was this concept that a small change can make larger ones more more attainable, more accessible, more comfortable. Um, and I think that's a place where herbs fit in really, really nicely. Yeah. yeah. And even just, it can be as simple as allowing yourself the space to make a cup of tea or a pot of tea that you really enjoy. And to then sit down with it and just contemplate how would I be if I could be different? Like, what would that even look like? And even just allowing that pot of tea, regardless of who's in it, you know, to be to be the container into which you are imagining what what could be different about your life. Like, you don't have to do anything. It's, you just gave yourself a little bit of space to think differently about like what's going on for you and just that can be enough Hmm. and i guess in that way literally any herb could help yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. all right 
Well, so that's us for this week. Um, you let's know, get some shout-outs. Yeah, yeah, I have a couple shout-outs. And to be honest, I know that there are a few more. Um, and I just grabbed two of them real quick, and I will go through in a more orderly fashion now. Um, but we do have a few new members to the podcast and uh, supporting members. And so I will um, thank you all officially next in the next episode when I go back and grab all the new names. But I really am grateful. We both are to all of you who support the podcast. And if you would like to join the ranks, you can find out about it at commonwealthherbs.com slash supporter. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to Franny in the Caribbean. And with this shout out also comes a question for everybody who's listening. Because Franny is really excited about Tulsi, but um, it's not easy to find in the Caribbean. So, um, uh, so first, this is a really good time to remember that there's never only one plant who can do any given thing, right? There's always more than one plant who can help you in a particular situation. And so if Tulsi isn't common in a particular area, even though we talk all the time about how helpful Tulsi is for us, that's okay because there's going to be another plant who can do that kind of work. We just have to figure out who it is. So... Um, that's something that I'm really excited to research, and I have some friends that um, I'm really excited to talk to you about it. But if you are listening to the podcast and you are from the Caribbean or in the Caribbean or maybe um, you have family there and you are aware of herbs that are Tulsi-like um, in terms of action, then I would love it. I'd be super grateful if you shot me an email and let me know um, so that I can get that information to Franny. And um, I'm also going to be asking some friends. And um, what I'm going to ask them is I have a few friends from Haiti and the Dominican, and I want to ask them to ask their grandmothers to tell them about the way that we work with Tulsi and then to say, what plants would we work with in the Caribbean who could help us in this way. And so a lot of times if you're in a new place and you are like, oh, none of my normal plants are here, like nobody I would normally turn to is here, um, then you can talk to herbalists in that area um, and just say, this is the way that I need to work. I'm, I'm looking for a plant who can work with me on this. And the likelihood is that they're going to say, oh, yeah, here we work with this plant when we have that problem. So so uh, that's research that I'm working on. And if you have any knowledge that could help me out with that, I would appreciate it. And I also wanted to give a shout out to Mrs. Sanger on Instagram who volunteered to transcribe videos for us. And I'm so grateful. Thank you. Not only does that enable our incarcerated students to study herbalism because they're not allowed to watch the videos. They're only allowed to receive printed pages of transcript. But it also helps us to get to our goal of closed captioning the whole program so that we can support the deaf, the hard of hearing, and the hearing impaired community. Um, and in order to do that, the first step is that we have to have written transcripts of every video in order to then take the technological steps that we need to take of getting the files that will provide those, those closed captions. 
So when people volunteer to transcribe videos for us, um, that is, or with us, I guess, that is really helping two communities um, that we're really excited to be able to provide herbal knowledge to. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. We couldn't do it without y'all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And I will organize all the rest of the shout outs for the next episode. But I'm just so glad that you guys are here. And I'm grateful that we have this community of people that we can share our honest, real lives with and our own struggles with going to bed on time and getting enough movement and everything else. And that we can have this community where we're all just honest about what we're working on and that that's fine because it's great to just be working on stuff and to be doing it together. (laughs) Don't have to be perfect, but I'm really happy that we have all of you guys to be in this community of working on it together. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. All right, we'll be back next week. Until then, take care of yourselves, drink some tea, and... uh, Go for a walk. Throw some pebbles down the mountain. (laughs) Yes, yes, let's be an avalanche together. (laughs) Bye. Bye.